Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. We thank you, Lord, for the living word that lives and abides forever. We thank you, Lord, as we're looking in this moment at our dependence upon the Holy Spirit, for we believe in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know God the Father that gave the Ten Commandments on the mountain at Horeb in the wilderness. We know God the Son that was crucified for us. But we also know that you've poured out your Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter number 2. For us, that we may walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and Lord, treasure the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so that Lord, in every way, what we do, we do it in spirit and in truth, always endeavoring to give you, Almighty God, the glory and honor through Jesus Christ, your living Son. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know what? I spend 10 minutes, no more than 10 minutes, and then after that we start ministering in the Spirit like we do on Sunday nights. And um, we've been looking at what I call sources of the anointing or the roots of the, uh, of the anointing, whatever causes the anointing of the Holy Spirit to increase on your life. It's a well-known terminology in the body of Christ to talk about the anointing. And uh, it actually, that comes from the New Testament, the Old Testament, where Jacob anointed the rock that he was sleeping on at Bethel, Beit El, out there at uh, just north of Jerusalem and just south of a place called Shiloh, or Shiloh, as they say in Israel, they say Shiloh. And uh, so I was there and I looked at that place where Jacob slept, and there he took a stone, made a pillar of it, and poured out the anointing oil over it. So if you look at what the anointing what, what, is, what are sources of the anointing on your life? Well, I spoke about the Word. The Word of God is, of course, you know, every scripture is given by inspiration. That word inspiration of God is where the Bible tells you, it's a Greek word theophnostos, which means literally is being breathed in by the breath of God. So the Lord himself is the Word. He spoke the word and they were healed. And when he spoke, he spoke with authority. He spoke about the word in a short session two, three weeks ago. Then we spoke about music, praise, and worship. God inhabits the praises of his people. Terribly important. I mean, I, this whole afternoon again, I spent in my study, I was in prayer. And uh, as I was doing that, all the time, I'm playing the Little Falls Band worship music. I've got the music. You get it on, uh, I think, on Apple Music. You can get it. And I think on Spotify. I normally go to Spotify, search for Little Falls Band, and then I look at uh, the playlist, and I just play it, particularly that first album that they brought out there that you find on the Internet. That album was just so stunning. It's so powerful. I listen to it and replay it and replay it, and then I pray and I worship God in spirit and in truth all the way. That was my that is my regular Sunday afternoon habit. And while the music is playing, I'm used to this music. It does not bother me when it's playing like that. It brings anointed atmosphere. There's an atmosphere for God's miracle working power. Brings it into the study. I turn the volume up and there I go and I'm praying and I'm busy communicating with God, seeking that fellowship of the Holy Spirit that when I come here, that I am, as they always say, prayed up and ready 
in whichever direction the Holy Spirit would take us. The third thing I want to talk about very quickly is actually a thing which um, you said here in Numbers 11 and 16. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel. Number, six, number 11 and 16. 11 and verse 16. Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I'll come down and take and talk with you there. And I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and I'll put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, and that you also then may be able to bear it. So God took the spirit of the leader and put it on the elders of Israel. I move on immediately because we don't talk long at night. Then we find another thing, anointing by association and environment. In First uh, Samuel chapter number 10 and verse 6, we find that uh, the man with the name of King Saul, he uh, has the anointing and he has a meeting with the prophet Samuel. And then First uh, Samuel 10, 6, that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be turned into another man. And uh, so that actually happened. And as soon as you see these signs that Samuel the prophet spoke about begin to happen, then, then go your way and the Lord will show you what to do. So he turned around. Now it's interesting. If you read, read 1 Samuel chapter number 10, uh, just very quickly this, he goes and down the road he finds a group of prophets and that anointing, that prophetic anointing immediately affects him. King Saul, the first king of Israel, immediately. And so there he is in the midst of the prophets and he's also prophesying and bringing glory to God. When you get into an anointed atmosphere, we find also, and I'm just going to, because of time restraints at night, um, I'm also saying to you that there was King David. He was, of course, now fleeing into the wilderness of Judea, and particularly this place called the Cave of Adullam. And he goes out there, and there's some 600 men that join him. Now, those 600 men later on get documented and known to be the, the um, mighty men of David, amazing work that they've done. These men were giant killers. They literally were. They took out the last of the giants in those days after Goliath, David taken down Goliath. Again, association and environment. Then we find here, and I can just, for example, take this one here. Uh, Second Kings, actually, um, yeah, 2 Kings 2.14, this is the prophet Elijah. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elisha crossed over. Now, we know that Elijah walked with Elisha and uh, then uh, he said to him, after a while, he went, from, uh, he went up to Bethel. They were at Jericho, went up to Bethel, and from there to Gilgal, Jericho, Bethel, and across the Jordan River. And then as they went across, Elijah turned around and he said to him, now, you know, what is it that you want? Ask before I leave, before I'm taken away from over your head. And then he says these words. He says that in the Hebrew, he says it beautifully. He says, I want twice the spirit that is on you. 
literally speaking to the voice, the prophetic voice, because he uses the, the Hebrew letter P, which is of the mouth, the utterance, which is to speak something. Twice, twice the prophetic power that's on your life, I want on my life. But he had to serve. And the Bible says in the days of King Jehoshaphat that he, um, he was out there, King Jehoshaphat, there was a, a battle with the kings of Moab, and they were on the south end of the Dead Sea. And uh, then, of course, we know that at that time, King Jehoshaphat says, is there not a prophet around here? And then they said, there's a man called Elisha. Uh, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. And then King Jehoshaphat, a godly king, says these words, go find that man because the Spirit of God's on him now. So Elijah's gone, but Elisha, bring him here. And so we find that so it is with Moses and Joshua. Joshua, ultimately God says to Moses, bring Joshua before the congregation and lay your hands on him and put a charge on him. Literally, charge him. That means he laid hands on him and the power of God instantly came upon Joshua. And the Bible actually says before that time even, Joshua never departed from the tabernacle of meeting. Where Moses was going, Joshua was always at a, at a, at a small distance right there, very close as, as what was allowed. And he stayed there in the footsteps of Moses, the man of God. We find the same thing. And to me, it's very interesting. If I go to the New Testament, how that there's a man called Timothy that was with the Apostle Paul. And how Timothy, if you actually study, I need to one day on a Sunday, because we're busy with the New Testament Sunday morning, just look at Timothy and see how that man actually, because the inspirational flow, becoming one spirit with the Apostle Paul, was so heavy that he would do anything for God. And if Paul said to him, listen, we're now, like at the time they're going down past Berea, that's in in uh, the nation of Greece towards Corinth, but as they, towards Athens. And as they landing there, he sends Timothy straight back. says, go back to the people of Thessalonica or Thessalonica, if you will, and, uh, and, and go and find out what is going on and how those churches doing because he really loved the, the, the church of Thessalonica. And so what we find is these men that stay around, these men of God, uh, that the same kind of David slayed Goliath. And if you read David's mighty men, I can give you the scriptures for that, if you so wish. Second Samuel 23 and 8. You'll read about them. It's a whole list of them. And what they did, absolutely supernatural. The power of God, they, they listed in, in two places in the Old Testament how they rose up to the occasion and they became fearless. They became like King David. And so Elisha caught the mantle of Elijah. And it wasn't easy to serve in the footsteps of Elijah because Elijah was not particularly the friendly kind of person. And uh, he would call fire out from heaven in uh, the book of uh, Second uh, Kings, at the beginning of Second Kings, first chapter. And uh, those, uh, the king said, go fetch that man called Elisha and uh, bring him here to me. And Elisha said these words, uh, Elijah said these words, says, well, if I'm, if I'm a man of God, then let fire fall from heaven. And fire fell from heaven and devoured those 50 soldiers, the men from the king. Every time. If you see this in the context of how it works all the time. But there's another anointing which I think is very important. And that is actually what King Saul experienced in that time there. Uh, he went, turned around, walked straight into a group, group of prophets. 
and he started prophesying. Immediately, it affected him. Now, when we come together in church, where there's very strong yielded worship, where people really worship the Lord, the corporate anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon all the people. I remember when I sat in the early days, I was a member of the AFM church, then went to the AFM Theological College. And uh, then when I, while I was in that, that period of time, I re remember so well, I would walk into the church and uh, it would affect me, just walking into the church. And I thought, coming out of a mainline church, I thought, wow, this is really, this atmosphere in this church is powerful. And it affected me so, even now if I'm talking about it, I feel it like affecting me. I could feel the power of God come on my shoulders and like down my spine. And I think, Lord, this is so powerful. And then somebody got up and spoke in tongues. And I never knew 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 about the gifts of the Spirit, neither did I know this book of Acts in this book here, the Bible. I didn't study it properly. I didn't know it in those days. I was a young green bean in terms of the ministry. Yes, before that I was a deacon, but I never knew the Bible like I knew it now. Not nearly in those days, because I was still very junior, green bean, as I say. But I walked in there and it affected me like that. And when they did the altar call in that AFM church up there, Universiteit Sigemeente up there in Brixton, I was the first to go out to the front and wept like a child. I repented right there in front of the church. Maud said to me when I got home, and she was at home with the children, she said, your face has changed. Well, that was the journey, the beginning, where you have a conf confrontation, where you experience the corporate anointing. So I remember that sitting in that AFM church in those days began to happen to me then. And I would sit there and I would think to myself, you know, um, this, is, this really has a great impact on me. And I, 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 I just enjoyed it. It's like sitting in, a, in an oven of glory and the worship and the people praising God. And I thought, wow, this is so very good. Man, I don't want to go home. And uh, I couldn't wait for a Wednesday night prayer meeting to begin so that I can go there too. And I, I, I sat there and then somebody got up and started talking in tongues. That threw me completely because I didn't know the operation of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Didn't know that and uh, know nothing about it at that day. There's a man called Rodney Hogg in those days. He, he, he just laughed at me. He says, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Now I said, no, I didn't as much as, it's like Acts 19 where Paul sp speaks the same words from at Ephesus to a bunch of people that arrived there with him. They said, did you re receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? They didn't even hear about that. Acts 19, first verses. So then immediately, I th this, this was extraordinary. Now, I couldn't understand a word that that woman was busy speaking. She's busy talking. And I'm thinking, what is this? And then suddenly, right on the other side of the church, there's a man that gets up. And I'm thinking in my heart, it's the strangest thing. She's talking in this language, and I'm thinking it's obvious that she's trying to say the following. A man gets up on the other side, does the interpretation of tongues, and he says exactly what I've been thinking then. And I thought, ooh. That's when I started realizing, you walk in a church, somebody talks in tongues, and okay, that's what it means. The Holy Spirit gives you the interpretation of tongues. But it affected me so much. I would sit on a Sunday morning in that church, week after week in those days, couldn't get enough of it. Couldn't get enough of it. Couldn't keep me away from church. 
I was there all the time. As many meetings as they had in a week, I was there. And uh, I would sit there and listen to the people when they speak in tongues. They would just do it and every time. Then I'd sit and I'd pray. This is just a funny thing there. In that anointed atmosphere, the corporate anointing, in that atmosphere, I'd sit and pray. And while I'm praying, I'm thinking, Lord, what's the word of the Lord going to be about today? And then I get some scriptures that pop up in my head. Because now I'm reading the Bible over and over. In six weeks, read the New Testament three times. Then from there, the whole Bible over and over and over. And I thought to myself, what's he going to preach about today, that man in the front? And then I get scriptures. And I said, no, not that. There's no message in that. And the, the minister gets up there in those days. I remember it as clear as yesterday. And one thing the Lord gave me is that able, ability to remember things in detail. And yo, he preaches the scriptures that I've been thinking about. Now, sometimes you wonder how that is. The Holy Spirit is, you know, the, there's the Afrikaans translation, very good. I don't know how you say that quite in English, but it says, uh, that, and that means literally we are saturated by the same Spirit all together. In the corporate anointing, one speaks in tongues, another one gets the interpretation just like that. One speaks in tongues again, another one gets it like that. There comes a prophetic anointing on a church. Then you know there's, there's, uh, there's another thing that happens. I find that uh, there are people anointed for specific things. Now, you know, for example, uh, there are people that would pray for, uh, let's say, the blind, and they get them healed. One man in America went around, made actual history. It's documented in Christian history, R. Roberts University. I'm going a little bit over my time, but let me tell you this. R. Roberts University, and uh, they wrote the book there. This man's going around, and uh, he had a plastic eye, so he couldn't see at all, not at all. So somebody didn't know there's a plastic eye, just laid his hands on him and he could see. Right through that glass eye. And they closed the eye, there's the glass eye, and he could see. Read this, he could read. Just amazing. He went around like that. It was quite a testimony. So then I started praying for the sick. All of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And another thing happened. Then because of the constant praying, you build up the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You want the anointing, you've got to pray. So you're praying in tongues, but ye beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, John, Jude chapter, chapter, is one chapter in Jude, Jude verse 20. Praying in the Spirit, but keeping yourselves in love, because faith works by love. You say, okay, now, if I pray in the Spirit, I keep myself in love, I've got to love whoever I'm praying for. That's all I want. I've got to love whoever I'm praying for. Praying in the Spirit, keeping yourself in love. And I feel myself building up huge energy, building yourselves up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Greek word, anatsopereo, which literally means that you, you fan into flame the gift of God within you. By praying in the Spirit, that means if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, my mind remains unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 4. How be it then, brethren? I'll pray with the understanding, pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding also. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, verse 2, 1 to 4 says, He who speaks in the unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. How be it in the Spirit he speaks. In the Spirit he speaks. Mysteries. No man understands him. Stands there in the Bible. How did I miss out on that? All those years that know these things. 
And so you pray in tongues, and you get to a point where you pray so in tongues, so much in tongues, that when you actually have to prophesy, it's nothing to it. Because your tongue hooks up with your spirit, you're not thinking. You're not thinking with your mind. You begin to flow in, in the spirit. You're praying in the spirit. So you're not thinking, and you're building up in the spirit, building up, building up. And then the moment if there's a prophecy, that prophecy comes just like you're talking in your natural language. You literally listen to yourself. There's no premeditation to that. And then I have people that are anointed. I pray for, the, for eyes, pray for ears. We've seen many people here in the church with, with ear problems that God's healed through the years. I have pictures there. Maud had a picture of this. You the other day of the boy with, that was squint. He was so squint that his eyes were like that. Stood in front of me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I look at his eyes and I just see those two eyes go straight like that to remain straight after that. No problem. Because God does the work. We can't do nothing. We can do nothing. Jesus gets the glory for sure. He paid the price. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. You know, you sometimes have people say, now, you know, what, what is all this about, you know, uh, working miracles? I think of uh, the book of Romans chapter number 14, where Paul speaks about his ministry as an apostle. You know, with signs, with wonders, with miracles. When he magnifies that ministry, that ministry that the Lord gave him, and he says, you know, with an apostle with signs and wonders and miracles to confirm his apostleship and his authority. You have that power to speak forth. And uh, the Lord working with confirming the word with signs following. Never knew these things. But once I understood it, I knew one thing. There's a road. That's a road of prayer for me. Oh, yes, for sure. That's for sure. I should spend the afternoon listening to the Little Falls Christian Center worship music. Then sings my soul, holy, holy, holy. It is well with my soul. All those first songs they had on that one album, that one album. I listen to this music over and over, that single album. And it comes to the end, I repeat it. It comes to the end, I repeat it again. Because on it is the music that really, if I turn up the volume in the, in the study then, then I, I, I just walk around up and down there and I'm busy praying in tongues. I'm busy praying in the Spirit. I don't, I don't you know, no man understands him, albeit in the Spirit he speaks. I just speak. Now you go into a prayer meeting and you're in that prayer meeting, you're praying for an hour or two in tongues. Now in those days, the early days, I started, I took the church in 80, 80, um, 88. 86 planted a Bible school, 88. I took the actual church. And as I took it, First thing I called out was prayer meetings every morning, Monday to, Monday to Friday from uh, 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock or from 4 to 8, 5 to 9. And uh, they used to come in, in wards. The people came in, in droves. They'd sometimes have 90 people at a time in the prayer room just praying. But then after three, four hours of doing that, then you join the staff. You pray with the staff now also. After three, four hours of prayer, then sometimes... I walk out of that prayer room and I feel I don't want to go out of this prayer room now. This is too nice. This is too glorious. This is too wonderful. Just I don't want to go out here. That fellowship with the Holy Spirit brings the anointing. The fellowship of the body of Christ that brings the anointing. I'm amazed these days at people that, uh, you know, they, they, they watch the TV, you know, and they sit there in the comfort zone. Now, I'm not talking about people that cannot get to church. I have people across the ocean that watches us from the United States. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm not talking about somebody that's sick or in a wheelchair or really has not got transport or something. But they, they tend to, they're people that have no excuse. They should be in the house of the Lord. This, the body of Christ is not a television screen. It's a living body. And you need the corporate anointing. Can you give the Lord a praise offering? Amen. Amen. You know, is it, did you listen to this little video? Or watch this little video? Or watch this preacher? That one says this. The other one says another thing. No, I want to be, get busy with God rather. And I want to get to church. I want to be here in the midst of you all. How many of you say amen to that? Amen. We want to be together, man. Everybody, all of us, we want to be together. Because here is a flow of the anointing. And I want the band to start coming forward. I spoke some things, and I know that inspired them. And I want them to come forward. And then I want us to worship God. We'll see where the Lord's going to take us after that. But you know, I spoke a little bit longer than I usually speak. But that doesn't matter. God's always in control. You know, I just rush through it. So sometimes I quote the exact scripture. Sometimes just go, just talk. It is written. And you just speak the word. He spoke the word and they were healed. He sent their word, Psalm 107, verse 20. He spoke the word and they were healed. I will give it health and healing. I will heal your body and restore your fortunes. That's how God works. Jesus loves you. Do you believe that tonight? He loves you. And faith works by love. We pray for people because of love. And that's why, that's like, I want to soak in the presence of God. Let the band help us now. Let's get into the Spirit. Let me get out of the way. Because I can do nothing in any way, but God can. I said God can. To the glory of the Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We believe God for a strong anointing. I've had nights here that I realized that God's healed people in the chairs while they were busy worshiping. It happened to me twice when I was a young Christian. It happened to me, I went into the tent, the big tent on the, on the, on the West Rand. I walked into that tent that night. I was not feeling well. And that night, and my, my predecessor said, you know what, we need to now just don't be like, like chickens from a, from a deep freeze. Stand there like this. You know, just get out of that freeze mode. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And I stood that night. I was not, I was developing flu. And I felt the symptoms were coming on to me. And then I thought, well, not tradition. But now it's the Word of God says, praise the living God. And uh, I got up and I jumped actually. I jumped in the air. When I landed on the ground, I just continued not thinking any further, but then I realized there's no symptom of any sickness in you. It happened to me more than once. Just praising God drives away the devil. Just praising God sets an ambush for the devil, like in the days of Jehoshaphat. God inhabits the praises of His people. But what about worship? Worship is the intimate zone where you, you become in your heart very tender with Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you really begin to speak words of love and adoration. You see, so if, if, if you know, even in prayer, if I think of the Greek word in prayer, it's the word proskuneo. Pros means towards, to kiss towards the Lord. Send Him kisses like people that love one another and send a, send a kiss like that. You know, it's like proskuneo. That's why when I pray and I worship, I'm sending love to God. The focus is on God. Can you say amen? amen? 
do I hear the band already? No, I don't hear the band behind me. How many of you can hear the band behind me? Would you all stand? Let's get in the Spirit in this place. Let the Holy Spirit take over the service tonight. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.